the people that are getting it, right? That that, that focusing on your main street, that building a bike lane, that you know having that curb bulk to make it easier to cross the street, you know, the, the doing the little things that support your existing local businesses rather than entice some new business. That those are just you know ways that communities can bootstrap themselves back into economic health. It's our Strong Towns membership drive. To become a member of Strong Towns, go to strongtowns.org and sign up today. Hey, uh, Mayor Michael McGinn, it's really nice to talk to you. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm glad to be glad to be on the phone with you. Where are you out in Seattle right now? I am in Seattle right now. Okay, and and the weather out there, I'm guessing, is uh, is getting a little chilly. It's uh, it's clear and cold. A little unusual for for Seattle because we've been having the storms rolling off the Pacific for the last week or two, but we got the cold weather hitting us too. Tell us about what you've been doing these days to to keep yourself busy. Well, you know, I, I was mayor of Seattle until the end of last year. Yeah. And, you know, since then, I've just been uh, working with other folks, working on issues like uh, climate change and divestment and how do we make better cities and trying to lend my efforts to, to people that are working on that. You uh, have a, a very interesting journey from activist to mayor. And I think, you know, you and I got to know each other a little bit at our national gathering this year. I, I found your story incredibly compelling because it, it in a way parallels the story of our president, you know, community organizer, community activist, uh, all of a sudden finds himself in politics, but yours in a very more kind of hyper local sense. Would you mind giving people a, a little sense of what that journey was for you and how you kind of felt this calling to step up and do more? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm flattered by the comparison to the president. He's a uh, much more, uh, He's better at everything than me in these things. <laughs> but I did start off, I moved out to the Northwest and was working um, in private practice as a lawyer and felt the need to, to get engaged with the community. So I volunteered for the Sierra Club, helping them. But when I moved to my neighborhood of Greenwood in Seattle, it's about seven miles from downtown. It's a you know kind of an inner suburb of downtown, so to speak. It used to be on the streetcar line. But it was right on the edge of town, and literally 85th Street used to be the city line, and north of 85th Street, there were no sidewalks. It had been added to the city, annexed to the city, and it had been built without sidewalks. And that really made me uncomfortable with, you know, walking to the local grocery store with my kids. So I started volunteering in my neighborhood, and I became our community council president and worked on that uh, for years, trying to get sidewalks, trying to work on development to improve our local business district. And I, I think the part of the journey that was interesting was I started to see how that local work really connected to the broader work of how do you make, you know, a thriving place that, you know, meets environmental challenges of the future. It was, it was all connected. And one thing led to another. And I, I got really involved in local politics as an advocate, started a nonprofit. And uh, one day I ended up running for mayor. And it, it really started with a uh, Try to make it safe for my kids and I to walk to the local grocery store a couple of blocks away. You are an active biker, and in fact, I I, I kind of embarrassed because I was chatting with a reporter here locally after the national gathering, and I I used one of your lines as if it were my own, and then it appeared in the paper as if it were my own. You know, we always steal great lines from smart minds, right? But you made the you made the quote. You know, I I don't bike because I'm green. I'll let, I'll let you finish it. Yeah, no, I bike because I'm cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had started a nonprofit, 
and I wasn't making much money, and particularly in the startup phase of it. And we had, uh, you know, the, the minivan for the family, and then our second car was a little Chevy Nova wagon, which was old and beat up, and it needed some repairs. And rather than get more repairs done on it, I, I said, well, you know, let's see if I can just bike to and from uh, my work as, uh, at the nonprofit. Let's see if we can make that work. And and we did. And that was a good thing for the, for the family at the time. Um, because we weren't paying gas or insurance or repairs on the vehicle. And I was, you know, and it was, it was actually time efficient. I, my, uh, my commute is my, is my workout. And I don't need, I don't need two parts of the day now. Right. I could do it all in one part of the day. And we still have the, the same minivan. It's got 200,000 miles on it now, which is the family vehicle. I have three kids. So it was just a, it was a really good choice for me. And so I, I've never, uh, pushed on people to bike or use transit or walk because, you know, it's the right thing to do environmentally. That that just doesn't work. What what gets people to change is when it's the right thing for their for their life. And what we need to do is construct make places where walking, biking and transit is the easy choice. It's the right choice for them because it's more convenient for them and more helpful and, and hopefully saves them money too. Seattle's a really fascinating place, and I've been fortunate now in the last couple of years uh, to spend a little bit of time in the Northeast getting to know a part of the world that I hadn't been to before. Uh, you guys have some major transportation projects going on right now that I think kind of define this debate between the, the, the really the 1950s and 60s build mentality and kind of a new, more nuanced uh, more diverse suite of transportation options. Would you care to kind of talk a little bit about that and, and how maybe you've weighed in on some of those things? Yeah, yeah. And I came to a lot of these issues initially, as I, as I said, I came to it from kind of uh, an environmental bent, right? How do we make places where we pollute less? But what I rapidly, you know, the more you dug into it, the more apparent it was just how, bad it was economically. Like it, it just didn't make sense financially. The amount of benefit you got from your investment just didn't pay off. And I became a really big believer in in the amount of payoff you got from many small scale investments. You know, investing in walkable streets and bike lanes and local transit. You know, you don't have a big project that can really attract the lobbyists and the big, you know, companies to lobby for it. Uh, but you deliver a much higher quality. You just deliver so many more benefits and direct financial benefits too. You know, the dollar for dollar impact of these types of projects are much higher than these mega projects. Well, it turns out we've got a couple of mega projects going on here, both of which, are, which you know, look like they're going south financially. Right. One is a much expanded uh, highway uh, over Lake Washington. It's the 520 bridge. And, you know, when the engineers get a hold of it, they take a an original version of the bridge, which was two lanes each way and not to standard. And, and now we've just got a monstrosity of a bridge and, and it's over budget. And then the other project is Seattle had the opportunity to tear down a highway like San Francisco did or, and other cities have done, uh, but, but the city ultimately chose to bury it. And, and I was an advocate for, we don't need the highway. It's, it's not delivering the benefits and we should be investing in transit and, and other things rather than that. So they they built they 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 went ahead anyway. You know, you have, you have power as a mayor, but uh, not as much as I 
Right. I hoped I would. Right. And uh, <laughs> they went ahead anyway, and they're building the world's largest uh, diameter deep board tunnel. And the machine right now is currently stuck. It's been stuck for over a year under the waterfront of the city. And it looks like it's going to go way over budget as well. And it, at the end of the day, it's going to be moving something like 40 or 80,000 cars a day, you know, depending on depending on a bunch of different factors, including how much they have to toll it, and it, which does a lot, too. What they've discovered is that if you try to toll it, nobody uses it, which should be a sign that it's not really a good thing if right. people wouldn't <laughs> even pay to use it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the only, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how to entice people into it. Right. If you were a CEO of a business and one of your division managers came to you and said, look, we need to replace one of our products lines with a new product line. The new product won't move you know, it won't be as good, it won't move as many cars. It'll use up all our capital. And if uh, the product fails, we really don't have any backup plan. You know, should we greenlight this? Right. I think any business leader would say, this doesn't sound like a good deal. I mean, we need, we need a different, different product line. We need something that, you know, we can afford and, and that won't bankrupt the company if we blow it. And that's where we stand right now with this project is that, you know, it, it was a risky project and, and it appears right now that the, those risks are going to cost the taxpayers a lot. And at the end of the day, even if we kind of bull our way through to the finish line of it, doesn't deliver a lot of benefit. A few months ago, you reached out to our executive director, to, to Jim Kuman, And I'll tell you that he called me after you guys first spoke. And he said, wow, this is a guy who really gets our message and gets what we're doing. He's just a natural leader that, that fits uh, strong towns. He's quoted you since at the national gathering as saying that uh, you found your band of misfits with strong towns. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even, I, I didn't realize I was talking to the media with Jim. I got to be more careful. <laughs> well, I I took that as a huge compliment because I, I I kind of feel like you know I've wandered in the wilderness a long time too, and and, and have found my band of misfits. What what is it about strong towns and the strong towns message that that compelled you to, to kind of reach out to us and then not only that but to uh to be such a strong participant in our national gathering and in the stuff we're we're working on now today well you know i i i use that phrase because you know there's a dominant way of doing things there's a dominant paradigm you know if i can use that word sure which is politically there's just this huge push you know you you, know, you get the chamber of commerce aligned you get the you know, the big, the big construction trades, you get the elected officials, you have a huge ribbon cutting for some big project, and, every, and you have this illusion of progress. And one of the things I saw as mayor was that those, we do not have the, the revenues we need to support everything we need to accomplish. You know, we're, the city of Seattle is a relatively young city, but it's old enough that we have you know, our, elect our, our electrical infrastructure, water, sewer, uh, transportation, transit. Everything needs work. And the public says, well, why are you building all these big new things? They'll ask you that. Why are you building all these new things when you can't take care of what you have? Right. And they're right. And they're absolutely right. Uh, you know, part of the reason is we've constructed a land use pattern, and this is what was so appealing to me about Strong Towns was that you nailed it. You got it absolutely right and, and, and gave me insights into it that I had not really seen before. 
Um, but we, we have a land use pattern that doesn't produce the wealth, doesn't create the revenue that can actually support the, the places we're building. They're, right. they're destined to fail uh, because they're so spread out and they're, you know, and, and we invest in, in bad things instead of basic basic things and grow incrementally. So that's what was so appealing to me about uh, Strong Towns was because this was this was my experience as mayor and kind of seeing, seeing this. And I guess I use the misfit line because that power of political elites to shape a narrative about what is economic growth and what's essential for economic growth, you know, it's wildly inaccurate, but very, very powerful. Right. So you can kind of feel like you're, uh, you know, you're, you know, swimming upstream uh, against that current when you're trying to suggest that there's a better way to invest in a place and and build wealth and build quality of life and prepare for the future environmentally. And what I saw in strong towns and, and why I really enjoyed the national gathering was, you know, there were people from around the country who got it. And I think what was exciting for me was not just that they got it, but they were they were motivated enough to get engaged and and act on it. And, and I don't want to paint too bleak a picture of the politics. Let's not underestimate the power of the established economic way of doing things to keep generating bad project after bad project. But you can see in city after city, town after town, the people that are getting it, right? That, that, that focusing on your main street, that building a bike lane, that, you know, having a curb bolt to make it easier to cross the street, and, you know, the, the doing the little things that support your existing local businesses rather than entice some new business, that those are just, you know, ways that communities can bootstrap themselves back into economic health uh, without waiting for some big mega project to save them, which isn't going to save them, of course. It's just going to make it worse. Mayor Michael McGinn, I'm so happy that you're part of our band and uh, that you found us. And as always, an inspiration. And I hope that we can do a, a longer conversation here in the the coming weeks and months thanks so much for what you do you take care thank you chuck we need your support here at strong towns become a member today by going to strongtowns.org